Well, good morning, church. We are blessed to be here. This is the day that the Lord has made. Amen. You know, anytime we wake up, we always have to be grateful for another day. Because it's the Lord that has made the day. Amen. And faithful is he who is able to guide you through the day. If he made the day, he will be able to guide you through the day. And your your day will be successful. Amen. So we just want to give God praise. Wow. Next week, by this time, it will be Christmas. Amen. <laughs> I don't know how you are feeling. Uh, it is it is said that during Christmas, uh, there is something called seasonal depression. So I just want to believe you are not caught in that. Amen. And even if you are caught in that, I believe that by the time we finish today's message, may hope come alive. Amen. Uh, whatever be the case, we are just grateful to God to be alive and we will soak in as much as God permits us life. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning as we come before your holy word. We pray that your word will minister to your people in simplicity and clarity of speech. Father, I ask that you think through my mind. I ask that you speak through my vocal cords. I pray that may I be a blessing to your people. May your word become life-transforming. May your word effect change in our lives this morning. This I ask humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. Please go with me to the book of John, chapter 14. Today we are ending chapter 14. We are on part 69. <laughs> I never thought in my wildest dreams I would preach a series that long. John, chapter 14, verse 25 to 31. This is the ending of chapter 14. Today I'm ministering under the sub-theme, His Peace his peace. And I read, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I live with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you? Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you will rejoice, because I said I'm going to the Father. For my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandments, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. Amen. So Jesus is still on a discourse with his disciples. Like I said, this is a day closer to his death. Uh, historians have said that Jesus died on a Friday. So this particular chapter or this instance happened on a Thursday. Yes, that it was even less than a day. It was just some few hours into 
Friday morning. And it starts off by saying, these things have spoken to you, have been present with you. And Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit again. He made mention of him again. He said, the Holy Spirit is your helper. Have you realized that Jesus in chapter 14, he's emphasizing on the Holy Spirit. He's emphasizing. Anytime when emphasis is given on something, you pay particular attention to it. Jesus is saying, I'm not going to be here. My physical shell is not going to be here. My bodily presence will not be felt, but the Holy Spirit will be here. He is a helper, a helper. Thank God, the Holy Spirit is not a tormentor. He's not a destroyer. He's a helper. He's a helper. He has come. And when he comes, what will he do? He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance. So two things that Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit here. He's a teacher. He teaches all things. Now, if, if you do remember, I have said this in passing many times, when you are reading the Bible, be very careful of the word all or every. Because normally when you read the Bible, when the Bible uses the word all or every, it's normally in a context. All or every, it's not really a blanket statement. So when the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will teach you all things, what are all things here? Is it all things? In this context, in this immediate context of the scripture, when the Bible says that Jesus will teach us all things, it means that he will teach us about the things concerning Scripture and Christ. That's what Jesus is really referring to here as all things. Now, does it mean that the Holy Spirit cannot teach you all things, or let's say, let's say in a Christian context, outside other things? Of course he can. Of course he can. In fact, when you read Exodus chapter 34, the Bible talks about a man called Bezalel. That was 33 or 34. The Bible talks about a man called Bezalel. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he was able to put together a structure for worship. Now, I don't know his background. I don't know whether he did architecture in school. But whatever be the case, the Bible lets us know that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. So, the Spirit of the Lord can teach you other things. Let's be mindful of that. It can teach you things outside the Bible. But when Jesus is talking about all things here, I, like, I just want us to be faithful to the context of the scripture. It's talking more about Christ. The words that Christ is speaking, the Holy Spirit is able to teach you, give you interpretation, bring light, meaning, revelation, out of the words of Christ that has been spoken. And he will teach you all things, the Bible in general. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is a teacher. And then Jesus also made mention, the Holy Spirit brings to remembrance. He brings to remembrance. Now, in the disciples' case, what would the Holy Spirit bring in remembrance? You know, when, you, when we start from the latter part of chapter 12, Jesus talked about his death and how it will bring profit. And he compared it with a grain of wheat. And, and like the popular saying, if a grain of wheat does not fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. Um, when you read further on, Jesus later talked about when he died and when he is crucified, 
he will literally be lifted up on the cross. And when he's literally lifted up from the ground and affixed, the Bible says he will draw all peoples. That's the word he used with an S. That means all nations, all races of people will gather. And, and so it was. When Jesus died, it was Passover. And Passover was the opportunity for ethnos, that is, people of different nations, different tribes, not only Jew, Jewish people, people from different places came together. And that really happened. That's why during the crucifixion, it was not strange to see a black man who helped Jesus carry the cross because it wasn't just a Jewish thing. It was all nations. So when Jesus died, or when he was crucified on the cross, and when he was lifted from the ground and affixed to, you know, for people, it drew all peoples, or all nations, ethnos, to himself. And remember that Jesus also talked about he is the light in chapter 12, that if you walk in him, you will never stumble in darkness. Then in chapter 13, he taught them about servant leadership, and the way he taught them servant leadership was after they had finished eating and being a guest in somebody's house, the Bible lets us know that Jesus stripped himself, took a towel, and washed the feet of his disciples. He was teaching them something about servant leadership that the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. And these you do likewise. And not just that, in chapter 14, he also talked about, in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. That is why it is expedient for me to go. It's not just to give you the Holy Spirit. It's not just to introduce you to the third person of the Trinity, but your place of destiny, your eternal destiny awaits, and I will have to go and prepare a place. And if it was not so, I wouldn't have told you so. I will go prepare a place and I will come back. Jesus will come back. Amen. And verse 6 of chapter 14, this same chapter, Jesus made mention that he is the way, he is the truth, and the life. And nobody can come to the Father except by him. And then in that same chapter, he also taught his disciples how to pray. He says, pray to God, my Father, in my name. Pray to God, my Father, in my name, and certainly I will do it. I will answer your prayer request. And not just that, he now introduced the Holy Spirit to the people that the Holy Spirit is an alus, another of the same kind. He's God. He says the same attributes of God. It's not just a feeling. It's not just a chill bomb. It's not just an endowment. It's not just oil. He is a person. He's a divine being. He, uh, he ha exhibits all the qualities that God, my Father, God the Son exhibits. We are three in one. We are three co-eternal, co-existing persons that make up the Trinity. Amen. Like I said, the Trinity is not a Bible word. It's a Catholic word. Amen. And he talked about when we keep his commands, when we observe and obey his commands, he will manifest himself. And how will he manifest himself? I think we did that last week. He will manifest himself in the form of the Holy Spirit coming to take residence on the inside of us. Amen. So when Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is going to bring things to your remembrance, 
This is what Jesus is talking about. Everything that I have told you on the come up close to my death, all the information, everything that seems inexhaustible to assimilate, that may even seem difficult to understand, the Holy Spirit is going to teach you. And number two, the Holy Spirit is also going to bring it to your remembrance. So all the commands, everything that Jesus has said, Jesus is, is saying that the Holy Spirit, who is the helper, he's not just a teacher that will amplify or shed more light on the commands or the talks that I've had with you, but he's also going to bring them to your remembrance. Hallelujah. Now, notice what the Holy Spirit doesn't teach us to do. The Holy Spirit doesn't teach us to sin. He's a teacher, but he doesn't teach us to sin. I've seen some people do some very bad things and then they will attribute it to the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't teach us evil things. The Holy Spirit doesn't teach us to sin. And notice what he also doesn't bring to our remembrance. Our past sins, mistakes, and our past guilts. That's not the Holy Spirit. I've seen some Christians ignorantly, and maybe that's the word best used to describe, ignorantly, attribute guilt to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit made me feel guilty. The Holy Spirit made me feel bad. What sort of spirit is that? The Holy Spirit doesn't make you feel bad. The Holy Spirit doesn't bring to remembrance your past sins. The Holy Spirit doesn't bring to remembrance your, your guilt. The Holy Spirit doesn't bring to remembrance your shortcomings. If the Holy Spirit will bring anything to remembrance as a believer, we learned it today at Bible study. He brings to remembrance that we are the righteousness of God because we have been justified. And I like what Pastor Jessica said, that it would be very unfair of God to die for our sins, to present us the gospel, and then telling us that we should make ourselves righteous. What sort of God is that? If he has died and he has made that provision for us to be righteous, then it is through him, by him, and in him that we become the righteousness of God. And when we can understand that, then it brings that force and that desire for us to live righteously. Amen. So mm -hmm. I think today's Bible study was mm -hmm. very good. It was a very good one. Amen. So now it's talking to us about something very important, which will be our emphasis to, for today in verse 27. So I want to read verse 27 again because that is where my message is, the crux of my message. Peace I live with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let it not be afraid. Amen. Now, in this scripture, I want us to see some things just in verse 7 about five things. One, the Lord talks to us about peace as an inheritance. He said, my peace I leave with you. Peace is an inheritance. 
You see, when we receive Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, we are an heir to peace. We have inherited peace. Are you listening to me? We have inherited tranquility, serenity, calmness, uh, being still in the midst of calamity. We have peace. That's peace. We are heirs because Jesus says, my peace, I live with you. And do you know what it qualifies for you to be an heir? To be part of a family. That's what makes you to be an heir. You don't become an heir because you're an employee. You don't become an heir because you are skillful. You become an heir based on family. It's a family estate. Therefore, Jesus is implying that you are my kids and you deserve peace. My peace, I leave with you. The second thing that you see here is that you see peace as a gift. Jesus says that my peace, I give to you. So when Jesus talks about peace as an inheritance, he's telling us that we are of the same stock. We are of the same family. So therefore, we qualify to inherit peace. Number two, when Jesus talks about peace I give to you, which is a gift, it is showing us the gratuitousness of God. That is grace. Grace is unmerited favor. And it's unmerited favor because we didn't merit peace. We didn't work for peace. God, through Christ, just gave us peace just because he loved us. That's all. It's out of love. So peace is not just an inheritance. It's also a gift. So this morning, you and I deserve peace on the basis of we are children of God, on the basis of we are sons of God, on the basis of God's gratuitousness through Christ, and that is grace. And, and God will give us peace, not because we truly deserve it. He gives us peace because he just loves us. As simple as that. The third thing I want you to see here is the source of peace. Now, mind you, Jesus was talking to Jews. And during this time, they were under Roman oppression. They were under slavery. They were under Roman Empire. At that time, the Roman Empire was becoming very strong, was becoming very fortified, and it was becoming a force to reckon with. They had captured the Jews. So to a Jew under that climate, when you are talking about peace to him, peace to him means... I'm going to be set free from my captors. Peace to him means Israel is going to be a sovereignty on its own, whereby we will not have to have Roman currency, have a Roman emperor rule over us. Our people will have their own king. They will have their own land. We will experience independence. To the average Jew living at that time, that was what he calls peace. But Jesus is saying that my peace is different, not as the world gives. I give peace. 
So Jesus is directing his disciples to the source of peace. This peace, which is an inheritance. This peace, which is a gift. It doesn't come from the world. It's not as the world give. I give peace. And Jesus, the peace that he came to give was far different from economic peace or military peace. Because during the Jewish times, when they heard the word Savior, because Jesus was called a Savior, he was called a Messiah. And, and those words, they are not really Jewish words. Those words are, are military words. And say someone is a Savior, he has come to, normally in that context, it, 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 it had more to do with delivering people from oppression or becoming a hero of some sort, someone who fights against oppression, who fights against justice with the edge of a sword. That's a messiah. That is a savior. So when the prophets prophesied that there was going to be a savior, they all thought that the messiah or the savior was going to come like Moses. That's why they revered Moses. That's why Jewish people respect Moses. Because, they, because Moses delivered them from the hand of captivity by the Egyptians. So when they heard that a savior was coming, they were expecting a savior to come in that like manner, like Moses. But Jesus had something bigger than that. Jesus was thinking about the spiritual condition of the people rather than coming to wrest them out of military power and military force. Because, you know, empires, they rise and fall. Whether you pray about it or you don't pray about it, it has a span. But what about sin? If Jesus would have spent all his time on this earth just focusing on delivering the people out of Roman captivity and making them a sovereignty of their own, what about the sin issue, which has more eternal and grave ramifications? Jesus Christ thought of something bigger than just military fortress. Now, after all I said and done, it's been almost 2,000 years since Jesus came on the surface of the earth. Isn't Israel now a colony on its own? Isn't it a sovereignty on its own? Don't they have their own nation? Don't they have their own leader? So these things can happen with or without God. So Jesus came for a bigger picture to deal with the sin of the world. And as a result of dealing with the sin of the world, one of the inheritances that the children of God are deemed right to inherit is peace. So Jesus says that, I give peace. I am the source of peace. Not as the world gives. The world can give you peace, but with strings attached. Jesus gives peace with no strings attached. This Russia and Ukraine war. Do you know how many negotiations have gone on? If the negotiations suit Russia, they will drop everything. The reason why this war is continuing is because at the negotiation table, Russia hasn't yet found what 
will satisfy them to stop the war. And it's a lot. Amen. So what I'm trying to say is that sometimes, even in this world, just to have peace, there's a lot of manipulation. There's a lot of strings attached. Strings are pulled here and there just for peace to prevail. But Jesus is saying that I give peace, but I don't give it as the world gives. And then the interesting thing is that when you have worldly peace, it will still not cure your heart troubles. Worldly peace will not eradicate fear. So in this world, there are people who have peace. This world can give you peace through money. This world can give you peace through fame. This world can give you peace through having lots of things. Things, you know, mostly the world will give you peace through things. A thing is something that you can see, feel, touch. The, the world will give you peace through things, toys. Just Friday, we heard of the celebrity, you know, um, Twitch, who just died. And when it was uncovered, he had just moved into a $4 million home. Man, who wouldn't want to live in a $4 million home? And you kill, you know, you kill yourself. But you see, with everything he had, he could dance, a very great dancer. You know, he was popular. He had money. I believe he had lots of money too. He has a beautiful family. You know, the family dance on TikTok and everything. Yet he's killed himself. The world offers peace through things. But the fact that you have things, it doesn't mean you are truly at peace. Jesus says that the world gives peace. I also give peace, but I don't give peace as the world gives. And even if the world gives you peace, the, the peace of the world will not take away the troubles of your heart. And it will also not deal with fear. But Jesus' kind of peace, that's why I call this message, His peace, when you receive His peace, when you are an heir to His peace, it deals with the troubles of your hearts and it deals with your fears in addition. That's why sometimes this world Without crisis peace, it's not worth living. Because you will say to yourself, I want that big car, I'll be okay. Now you get that big car and you start driving it, you still feel hollow. You say, oh, I want to move into this rich neighborhood. When I move into this rich neighborhood, I'll be okay. By the grace of God, you struggle, you work hard, you don't sleep, you have a lot of sleepless nights, you put in long hours at the expense of uh, company and friends and, and socialization. You don't even have a life. And then finally, you get to move into that place. You're still not happy. You say, okay, I want to buy a private jet. Maybe that will make me happy. By the grace of God, you are able to get a private jet and you are still not happy. You see, the goalposts of life will keep shifting and shifting and shifting. Life is really like a rat race. It's really a rat race. You will run and run and run and run at the carrots being dangled in front of you, but you will never get to the carrots. That's life. And it will take crisis type of peace to still your anxieties, 
to still the troubles of your heart. And, and, and when you experience the peace of God, the offshoot of the peace of God is contentment. You are able to say, it is well with my soul. Whatever my lot you have taught me to say, it is well. That is peace. And that's why that song starts with, when peace like a river attends my way. You see, when you experience this peace of God like a river which attends your way, you will be content. And when you are content, you will say to yourself, whatever my lot you have taught me to say, it is well. I may not drive a Rolls Royce, but whatever my lot, you have taught me to say it is well. I may not live in the plushiest of neighborhoods, but whatever my lot, you have taught me to say it is well. When you experience this peace of God, you experience contentment. Today, I pray in the name of Jesus that may we experience this peace. May we know this peace because this peace has been given to us as an inheritance because we are heirs. Why? Because we are part of the family of God. Not just that, this peace has also been given to us as a gift. Why? Based on the Father's gratuitousness, it speaks of the grace of Christ. In John chapter 1, we did it right there. The Bible lets us know that the law came through Moses, but grace and peace came through Jesus Christ. Christ became grace unto us, and the essence of grace is a gift. He is saying to himself that, my peace I give to you. And when you experience this peace, may your heart's desires, may your heart's desires come to pass. May you experience fulfillment of, of dreams and, and desires and plans. May you experience soul satisfaction. May you come to a place whereby the, the troubles of your heart are still and calm. Why? Because God is in control. Because you have experienced his peace. May you come to that place whereby you, your anxieties will be calmed down. You, you will experience the peace of God and you will know that things are well. May you experience calmness in the midst of calamity. That is real peace. And when you read Mark chapter 4, the Bible lets us know that Jesus, in the midst of the storm, he was asleep. He woke up and he rebuked the storm. And, and that is the posture of a Christian who has inherited peace. There will be calamity all around, but you will experience calmness in the midst of calamity. And when you have calmness in the midst of calamity, you are able to speak to calamity. And calamity has to obey because we have peace. I prayed this morning that may the peace of God saturate you. May you, may, you, may, may you overflow in the peace of God because you are an heir to peace. And, and mind you, it is also a gift. They talk about gift cards. Today, through this message, God is giving you a gift box wrapped with a bow. And, and it is a, a gift of peace. Receive peace that will guard your heart. Receive peace that will guard your mind in the name of Jesus. And that depression will dissipate. That anxiety will dissipate. That, that trouble, that, that, that seems to keep you awake at night will cease. The world can give you peace, but it's not guaranteed you will be happy.
people have died. Realizing that, wow, life is a sham. I've been scammed. Life can be one big scam without the peace of God. But I pray that may you not discover that. May you rather discover that life with Christ is peaceful and enjoyable. It is enjoyable. Because I receive the peace of God. Even though I don't have everything, I receive the peace of God that calms away my fears and drives away my troubles. Jesus looked at his disciples. One day to his death, he could see their worried, bemused looks on their faces. He could see that they were giving backslide. He could see that they were afraid. He could see that they were heart sick. He could see that they were very fearful. He could see it. Because these disciples, mind you, they had left everything to follow Jesus. Jesus was their all. Jesus could sense the tension. He said, let me tell you something. Don't worry. The Holy Spirit will be there, but inherit peace. I gift you peace. Receive it. Receive the peace. And when you receive this peace, your heart will not be troubled and you will not come to a place of fear. Oh, may fear be driven out of our lives in the name of Jesus. May anxieties, may the troubles of our hearts that seem to never say and make us feel disillusioned and, and, and make us feel paranoid. May those troubles be dissipated. May, may it be calmed down in the name of Jesus because we have experienced the gift of peace. And Jesus says something in verse 28. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you will rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father. For my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. You see, when you have peace, you are able to rejoice even if you are uncertain about the future. What will make the disciples become okay was to receive the peace of God. That was what was going to help them to transition well. And today I pray that whatever phase we find ourselves in, may we transition well because we have the peace of God. We have the peace of God that rules our heart, that rules our mind. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. We, we, will, we will rejoice even though we are uncertain about the future. These disciples, they didn't even know. Jesus, is he really real? Is he really going to come back? Uh, what is he talking about? Is the Holy Spirit going to come? All these are uncertain. All these are questions. They point to the uncertainty of the future. But when we receive this peace of God, we are able to rejoice. And Jesus says that if you love me, you will rejoice. You see, where there is peace, there is love, there is joy. 
And that's why Apostle Paul, he by revelation, he says that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. You see, when, when you enter that realm of peace, you are making contact with the kingdom of God. You are now operating at that frequency. And Jesus says something. My time is up. I'm about to die. I won't talk anymore. Because the ruler of this world, who is the devil, is coming. And when he comes, he will find nothing in me. Jesus is saying that when he sees me, he will see me as the spotless, sinless, sacrificial lamp, ready to be slain for the sins of the world. Because if there was sin in the life of Jesus, that will affect the sacrifice. It will. And that's why when you read Exodus, a type of Jesus was the goats without blemish, the sheep without blemish. If it has blemish, if it has skirmish, the sacrifice is unclean. In that sense, Jesus is saying that I am that unblemished sheep. I lay down my life. And the devil, whenever the devil visits you, mind you, he's not coming on goodwill. He's coming on an accusation trip. That is why as a believer, try not to sin. Because when you don't sin, you can't talk like this. The ruler of this world is coming, but he finds nothing in me. Jesus was sinless. He was a man, yet he was God, and he was sinless. But that the world may know that I love the Father as the Father gave me the commandments, so I do. So Jesus is saying that my mandate is from God the Father. And then he told them, arise and let's go from here. So from chapter 15 going, they are on their way to Gethsemane, where the betrayal happens, which leads to the crucifixion. We receive peace, Lord. Thank you for your peace. Peace that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and mind. I pray that may you experience peace. Peace in your heart. Peace in your mind. You might be brokenhearted. You might be disappointed. But I pray for peace in your heart. Peace in, on your mind. Oh, thank you, Lord. Mental health. The challenge of mental health. The solution to mental health is to receive the peace of Christ. And I'm your pastor. I believe you should talk to a therapist. But it doesn't just end at therapy. Receive the peace of Christ in addition to that. Peace makes a huge difference. Receive peace. Receive peace. May that broken heart be healed. Receive peace. Receive peace. Today, I just want you to receive peace. Stretch your hands and say, Lord, I receive peace. I receive it. For some of you, if not received it, re receive peace. I receive peace for my mind. I receive peace for my heart. I walk in peace. I will let the peace of God dwell in me richly. I receive it. Thank you, Lord. It is done. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.